You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. have your Bibles here today, Matthew chapter 15 is where we're going to be turning today. If you don't have your Bible, we've provided the, the references, the scriptures up onto the screen, and so those, the, those will be there for you. Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 21, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, Not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Lord, she's driving us crazy. Got to do something. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Amen. Amen. I'm going to be speaking to you for a few moments on this topic here today. I know I've preached from this passage before, but God has been echoing this message, this portion of Scripture over and over in my mind, and I cannot get away from it. I know that there's somebody that he's reaching for in this service that God just wants to let know that there are things that are unclaimed in the Spirit, things that you have not taken a hold of. Amen. So just for a few moments, I'm going to speak to you on this topic, unclaimed. Can we join our voices once more together and just ask God to have His way? God, we are so thankful. God, we're so thankful for Your presence that has flooded its way into this place and into our hearts here today. God, there's been an atmosphere of praise and worship that has been created that we have entered into. God, in our heart's desire today is just that you would allow your word to dig its way down deep into our spirit. God, take root, take residence within us. God, I pray that you would speak to us mightily. God, that you would help us not to leave the same way that we came. God, but that we would claim, that we'd reach out for the promises that you have for us here today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. In Scottsboro, Alabama, I'm not sure if you've been there before, but there is a business called Unclaimed Baggage. The business, it sells items that were left unclaimed from airports all over the world. And it can be purchased at a fraction of the cost. Doesn't that sound enticing? They have everything from expensive watches to cameras to clothing to sports equipment. You name it, they have it. According to the store's website, over one million items pass through the store annually. It runs into the millions of dollars worth of items every year. And in fact, they've made a business out of it. 
And maybe you've been one of those unfortunate individuals to have lost your luggage while traveling. This may be a good place to come and find it. And according to online statistics, roughly 99.5%. I don't know how accurate these statistics are. Somehow they've run the numbers. And they believe that somewhere between um, this total, 99.5% of all lost baggage is returned to its rightful owners. But there is still that 0.5% that goes unclaimed. That small percentage, it doesn't seem like much. It really doesn't. Just peanuts, just crumbs, really. But it is enough for this shop in Alabama to restock its inventory with over 7,000 items every day. And then we realize that 0.5% is a lot. And it gets my mind racing. How many of you, how many of us have walked away from being in the very presence of the Lord and not claimed everything? that he was wanting to bless us with. How many of us have unclaimed blessings because we failed to reach out in faith? How many services have passed us by? How many conferences, how many times in prayer meetings have passed us by? How many opportunities have we passed up because we become so comfortable? I know the padded pews are great. They're lovely. Is everybody enjoying them? All right, awesome. <laughs> and so we become so content with where we are and what we have. In our story today, the Lord has been traveling to a number of places, and people have crowded, they've pressed their way into the streets to get their healing. They need something from the Lord. They need that miracle that they've been searching for, and they even ran ahead of them like we Listen to this morning. They ran ahead of where they thought he was going to be just so that they could be there for when he arrived. Again, echoing what my wife said here this morning, can you just imagine arriving on beachfront prop property? You thought that you were going on a vacation with your buddies, and all of a sudden you land there, and there's 15, possibly 20,000 people waiting for you when you arrive. Oh, wonderful. Their need pressed on them, and they were going to make sure that they claimed every blessing that they could because this is the promised one. This is the one, if there's anybody that can meet my need, if there's anybody who can meet me where I'm at, it's him. Maybe they've tried so many different things to get to that point and have failed themselves. Everyone, including the woman in this story, was just seeking to claim those blessings. We have little information about who she is. We don't know her name. We don't know how she heard about the Lord. All we know is that she is a Canaanite who has a daughter that needs a miracle. And maybe you've been there before. Maybe that's exactly where you are today. But maybe it's not a daughter. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's some pressing need that you've got in your life. And just like this Canaanite woman, as much as you'd like to fix everything on your own, you know that unless the Lord intervenes, unless God intervenes, it's hopeless. It's beyond your ability to resolve. Unless he hears your prayer, unless he steps in, well, you're just not sure what will happen. And this story has been 
going over and over in my mind, and I cannot get away from the confirmation here this morning that somebody needs to hear. Somebody needs to get it into their spirit here this morning that God is reaching for you. He wants you to know that if you will come to him in faith, he will be your miracle worker. He wants you to know that there are still unclaimed promises, unclaimed blessings that he has. And just after Jesus' conversation with Peter about the smallness of his faith, we see this in the, in the portion of Scripture before, we are introduced to this Canaanite woman who the Lord says has great faith. And Peter, he was not only a Jew, but he was called out by God to follow him and be his disciple. He got to walk in the footsteps of the Lord. He was privileged to learn firsthand from him. And yet when his faith was examined by Jesus, he was found lacking. And Jesus, he leaves this conversation with Peter. And they journey to Tyre and Sidon. And it's here that we are introduced to the woman in this story from Canaan, who the Lord ends up commending for her great faith. And somehow she heard about a man named Jesus that the Jews called Messiah savior and he was answering he was healing he was restoring he was doing miracle after miracle things that you couldn't even believe were happening and if anyone could heal her daughter he could she was convinced and so in her great faith she goes out of her way to land herself right into the pathway of jesus all she knew is that she just needed to get to him. What we know from history is that the Canaanites were Israel's oldest enemy, one of the oldest enemies that they have. They did not believe in God. They didn't follow his laws. Instead, they've, they're known for their idol worship. In worship to their man-made gods, they sacrificed their own children. But no matter what they did, their gods, they couldn't hear them. Their gods couldn't answer their prayers, and she knows this. None of her idols can answer her prayer. They never have, and they never will. Just like David wrote in Psalm 115, verse 5, he says, They have mouths but cannot speak, and eyes but cannot see. Talking about these idols. They have ears but cannot hear, and noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, and feet but cannot walk. And throats, but they cannot make a sound. Canaanite would certainly have no claim on God when compared to a Jew. And so you would say that she was the underdog in this story. But that didn't stop this Canaanite from falling at his feet and begging him. The Bible tells us that she screamed. It literally translates to she shrieked out her plea to the Lord. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She cried out through the thickness of that crowd. My daughter is suffering. What a helpless and hopeless situation. But she knows who he is. She calls him Lord. She calls him Son of David. Recognizing that he was the promised one from centuries and centuries ago that is finally here. He was the one that was promised to come. And Matthew, he records what happens next. He says, but he did not answer her a word. The Lord hears her screaming for help and does not respond. He's silent. Despite his lack of response, she doesn't stop. You've been in that same place before. You tried praying about it, but heaven is quiet on the issue. 
You screamed out your need to God, but were met with silence. This woman is so desperate for a miracle that she starts making a scene. It's not just, oh, Jesus, if you wouldn't mind, if you have time today. Like someone as kind as maybe Lisa coming up very calmly, if you have time. She was desperate. Maybe that wasn't nice of me to call it Lisa like that. I'm sorry, Lisa. We love you. You're just so kind. When the Lord, he, he does speak just before this, the disciples, they begin to beg Jesus to do something. They're crying out, the Bible says, just as much as this woman now, saying, Lord, do something. Send her away. She's driving us crazy. And when the Lord does speak, he responds with these words, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. If I didn't know better, Lord, it sort of sounds like you're telling me that you didn't come for me. And at this point in their conversation, most would walk away. Fine, okay, great. And most would read into Jesus' words and come to their own conclusion that he didn't want anything to do with them. But not this woman. Her daughter needs a miracle, and she is not going home empty-handed, at least not again. Instead, she falls at his feet and says, Lord, help me. I'm asking you, Lord, help me. And the Lord answers her and says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. In other words, what kind of father would take his children's food and give it to the dogs? You have to understand the Jews for ages have called the Canaanites dogs. They meant it to be mean. They meant it to hurt. They wanted the Canaanites to know that they did not like them. And if we didn't know better from this story, it sounds like Jesus is likening her to a dog. But Jesus said that this is, he said this not only to test her faith, but to reveal to the crowd that he came once and for all, somebody here this morning, once and for all, hallelujah, his sacrifice for our sins is for all, his miracle working power is for all, his blessings that he pours out on his people, it's for you and for your children and all those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Jews, they may have thought that they alone had right to the Lord. But someday soon, the Lord would die on an old rugged cross, not only for the Jews, not only for a select group of people, but for the whole world, because he is not willing that any should perish. Hear me this morning. It is for you. It is for you. This message, this good news, it's for you. But what the crowd heard that day is that the Lord likened this woman to a begging dog. Someone once said, the thing about dogs is that you cannot offend them out of their hunger. She could have read into these words that Jesus said any way that she wanted to. But as she knelt before the Lord in front of the crowd that surrounded them that day, it becomes quite clear to us that you couldn't offend this woman out of her hunger. You couldn't offend her out of her miracle, out of her hunger for a miracle. She will not stop. She knows that her daughter will not get better. 
she will not get the help that she needs unless, unless Jesus. And so her faith does not waver, and she responds herself with imagery of her own. She replies, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know what she was saying? Yes, you are right. It's not right to do that, to give the children's bread to the dogs. But I also know that you come with a banquet of blessings for your people. Miracles on miracles are poured out. You come to your children's service after service, to your sons and to your daughters, with a banquet of mercy and grace and hope and love and joy. Banquet of your spirit. But guess what? They're not eating everything. They're not eating everything. They've gotten used to your miracles and your mercy and your glory. They've gotten used to your spirit. They can afford not to eat everything every time that they come into your presence because guess what? There's going to be another service. There will be another conference. There will be another prayer meeting the next time Jesus passes through. They've seen your blessings so many times before. They are used to it and are quick to push themselves away from the table before they've eaten everything. All I need is what someone else has discarded. All I need is what someone else has wasted. Just the crumbs, Lord. Just let me be close to what you're doing and I'll just take the crumbs. The Lord knew her heritage after all he created her. He knew where she came from, but I think it's quite possible that she knew as well. We go back to the first occurrence of Canaan in Scripture. We will see in Genesis that God called a man with great faith named Abraham to go to a land that he had never been to before, a land that he had never seen. So he packed up everything he had and he went out in faith, just believing God for what he said. God promised it, so I believed it, and he packed up his stuff and went to a land that he had never seen. He didn't know where the Lord would lead him, but along the way, the Lord fills him in that he was going to give him descendants, and that the land of Canaan would be his. The Lord told Abraham that right now, the land is filled with Hittites, Kenites, and Kenizzites. That's a lot of ites. That land I am giving to you and your children. But generations would pass by without laying claim of what God had promised. And instead of being victorious in this new land they were supposed to have, they became slaves in Egypt. And we arrive at the story of a man named Moses. God works through this man named Moses to break his people out of slavery in Egypt and reminds them that he still has a land. He still has that unclaimed property that belonged to them that was promised to, to their forefather, Abraham. That's the land that he is sending them to now. God instructs Moses to select one person from all 12 tribes of Israel to go scout out the promised land, not to see if they can take the land. He was very clear with that. The Lord had already promised it to them. It wasn't to scout out whether or not they could have it. They were to go and see the promised land for all that it was. Look what I'm about to give you. Look at the land that I've promised. 
And they go and they see that the land is exactly how God described that it would be. It's flowing with milk and honey. It has more than what they need. It's overflowing with blessings. But it's also full of giants and towering fortified cities. And in their own eyes, they feel like grasshoppers. And ten of those spies, they come back with a negative report and say, you know what, I I know God promised this land to us. And he told us that we could lay claim on it. But guess what? There's giants there. It's hopeless. We can't lay claim on what God has told us. But two of those those spies came back named Joshua and Caleb and said, this is the land that the Lord has promised he would give us. What's stopping us? Let's go get it. But instead of believing the word of God, they believed the fear of those ten spies. And instead of claiming their promise... They ended up wandering in the wilderness outside of the promise for 40 years. And after 40 years, Moses' time has come to an end. And God puts in place Joshua as their new leader. And finally, those that remained crossed over into the promised land. Finally. God spoke to Joshua about the promise and told him, This promise that I gave to Abraham, this promise that you have been waiting for in the wilderness for 40 years, it's still yours to claim. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, it says, this is the word of the Lord that he gives to Joshua, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses. I told Moses the same thing. Everywhere you step, that's yours. If you'll step out in faith, if you'll cross over the Jordan River, If you'll go into the promised land, it's already yours. Just step out in faith. And Joshua, he grabs on to that promise from the Lord, and he finally lays claim of what God has promised. The only thing that stopped them before was their unbelief. And guess what? They're not going to make that same mistake once again. But after coming into the promised land after a number of years had passed by, they still hadn't claimed all that God said that he had for them. He told them about the expanse of land in detail that he would give to them, but they were so comfortable with just having a little bit of that promise. You know what? This is all that we really need. They settled down into mediocrity and said, this is good enough. But there was one, there was one who wasn't satisfied. His name was Caleb. Caleb, who was a young man when God brought them out of Egypt, he had the unique distinction of being one of the 12 spies who entered the promised land so many years before. He remembers what it was like to be one of the two coming back to the entire camp of Israel and saying, with the Lord, we can do it. Well, the other 10 told everyone, it's, it's hopeless. Caleb and Joshua, they seen the same things everyone else did. They seen the giants in the land and the fortified cities. They've seen the same countryside. They've seen the same cities, the same inhabitants, the same roads, the same produce, the same cattle. But fear overtook faith of the other ten and thought, there's just no way. And Caleb, he remembers tearing his clothes out of dismay. Tore his clothes, the Bible says, when he heard that all Israel accepted the negative report of the ten. Instead of the faith from him and Joshua. By the time we get to Joshua chapter 14, time has gone on and Caleb, he's still restless. 
Everyone else seems to be content with the little bit of promised land that they had conquered, but not Caleb. He knows God promised more. I know this isn't all the blessing. I know this isn't all the promise that God has for us. And so the people of Judah, they come together with Caleb as their spokesman to Joshua. And he reminds Joshua of all the promise that God had given them. Forty-five years have passed. And Caleb is now 85 years old. He's almost old enough to run as president of the United States. Almost. But he tells Joshua, I shouldn't have said that. Look, this is what happens when I get off my notes. But he tells Joshua, I know this isn't all that God has promised us. We didn't claim everything. And so in Joshua chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Now therefore, this is Caleb's words, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. You know what? God also told us he was going to give us this land over here and this land over here. And Caleb says, I know I'm 85 years old, but give me this mountain. I'll go in and conquer it. And it says, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he fully, he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And although all of this time has passed, the promised was still intact. And Caleb tells Joshua, give me this mountain. Give me what God has promised. There's one small detail out of this that we pass over so quickly when we read this story. I don't know how many times I've read this, and I I missed it. I've missed it. Throughout the books of Numbers and Joshua, Caleb was referred to as Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite. Yes, a Kenizzite. You heard that. You heard that correctly. Caleb is a Kenizzite. He is from one of the tribes that lived in the promised land when God promised the land to Abraham all those years ago. Scholars believe that somewhere between Abraham arriving in Canaan and the exodus out of Egypt, Caleb's family integrated into the tribe of Judah. We don't know exactly when and we don't know exactly how, but this Canaanite family, this Kenizzite family from the land of Canaan, defected to the family of Israel. They turned away from their idols and their own way of living and gave themselves completely in surrender to the one true God. And after years of Israel not claiming that God, all that God had promised them, this former outsider, Caleb, comes in complete faith and says, this isn't all. This isn't all that God has promised us. There's so much more. I was there when God told us that wherever we stepped would be ours. And this isn't all of it. And he claims land, not on the outskirts of the promise. You know where he picks? He says, I want that land right in the middle of the promise. Right in the middle of what God is doing. If I could have the music come back. Do you know what Caleb's name means in the Hebrew? If you look up the name Caleb... In its original translation from our text, his name literally translates to dog. 
So yes, I think it's quite possible that this Canaanite woman who was being likened to a dog centuries later remembers the heritage of her people. That there was once a man named Caleb that was a Kenizzite from the land of Canaan, just like her who was also the underdog in the story and yet claimed the promises of God in the middle of the promise. And Joshua tells her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And the Bible tells us, and her daughter was healed. She came looking for a miracle and received it when she encountered the promised one. Just like Caleb wasn't content with what little Israel had claimed from God's promise, neither would this Canaanite woman be until she laid claim on her miracle from the Lord. I'm here to tell someone here this morning that God isn't running out of blessings. God isn't running out of miracles. He isn't running out of healings. Hallelujah. Can we stand and magnify Him right now? Hallelujah. His power is not diminished. The Bible tells us that He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same God is present with us here today. The same God who created the universe. The same God who guided this nation out of slavery and into their promise. This same God that stood before this woman from Canaan as she sought for her own miracle. And all it took was just a word. Just a word from the Lord and her daughter was immediately healed. That's who we're reaching out to here today. Our God has more promises for those who will believe than we can even imagine. We have a spot. We have a spot at his table where we are fed with blessings that we can't even imagine. And if we aren't careful, we can show up and settle into just another service. You know what? Just another service. And we can walk out those doors and never lay claim on all that God has. Hallelujah. Don't pass up on what God has prepared. Oh, what he has for those who will just reach out in faith here this morning. I believe that there is someone here this morning that is desperate for a miracle. I looked across this place as I began to pray for needs. And there were hands lifted up all across this place representing needs in people's lives. That's what we're bringing before God. And if you weren't one of those individuals, I want us here to come together as the family of God and begin to pray for one another. That God would do what he said he would do. Hallelujah. If you've got a loved one that's walked away from God, claim the promise. Claim the promise that God has for you, that he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to him. If you're looking for healing here this morning, he's your healer. He's your healer. If you're looking for salvation, he's the Savior. The only saving name is in that name of Jesus. And maybe you feel like the underdog, but you know if you can just get to Jesus everything will change. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, it tells us, for all the promises, all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. Oh, listen this morning, to the glory of God through us. He does His work through us and it brings Him glory if we just claim all the promises of God. They are yes and amen for who will believe. Who will believe here this morning that God has got incredible things for you. 
Hallelujah. There are unclaimed miracles. There's unclaimed blessings. There's unclaimed promises that are just waiting for somebody to step out in faith here this morning and lay hold on. Don't leave this place until you've claimed all that God has for you. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.